Good afternoon, everyone. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We are a, a local congregation. We minister in the Partick area of Glasgow. Our building is in Two Thornwood Terrace. If you go up Dumbarton Road and you will come to the police station. Opposite the police station, if you go up the hill there, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And we're next door at the crossroads. And we do extend a warm welcome to you. We meet on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, the first day of the week, despite what your calendars might say. The first day of the week, Sunday at 11 a.m. And we also meet in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we would extend a sincere and warm welcome to you to come along on any of these occasions. And please don't be apprehensive. It may be that you're not used to going to a Christian place of worship. Or maybe you've simply got out of the habit of it because of COVID and because of the restrictions that were imposed upon us by an ungodly government. But friends, if, you, if you've got out of the way of going to the house of God, then please feel free to come any Lord's Day, any Sunday at 11 a.m. or in the early evening at 6 and we would make you a warm welcome. And maybe you don't have a Bible. Well, if you don't have a Bible, then please make yourself known. And we'll endeavor to make sure that you have a copy of the Scriptures for yourself. There are one or two of us out here this afternoon. Some are handing out gospel tracts to you. It may be that you read the gospel tract at the moment. But please take it with you and read it at home over a cup of coffee and there you'll find a, a gospel message, a very clear, simple gospel message we trust and uh, you'll also find our uh, church contact details and we put these things on our gospel tracks that you might know that we're not fly-by-night cowboys. We're not charlatans. We are genuine people. We minister in this area. We work in this area. Therefore, we put our details there so that you can make contact with us and you know something about us. Well, we're out this afternoon in order that we might bring to your attention, uh, for, even for a moment or two, something concerning uh, the Christian gospel. Now, we do this for a number of reasons. But one of them is, we do it because we recognize that today, in Scotland even, in this place here that we live in, in Scotland there is a great deal of ignorance regarding the Christian gospel. Now that's very difficult to believe. Well, some people find it very difficult to believe because... Scotland has been very, very greatly blessed by the gospel. We've had uh, gospel influence for centuries. And 
Scotland is the home of the great Protestant reformer John Knox. And to think that Scotland, the home of Knox, and there are so many people that are ignorant of what the Christian gospel stands for. And therefore we have a task and a mission because we want to go out and even for the few moments that we're in contact with you as you walk about here, as you go to the bus stop or as you go to Morrison's or if you go to the, the subway or the railway station even for a few moments we're able to draw your attention of the Lord Jesus Christ then we would consider it a profitable afternoon for us now what is the gospel and why do we need the gospel well we need the gospel friends because we are sinners we are sinners and there are no exceptions to that statement no matter what we might feel about ourselves in the sight of God and of course that's the important thing in the sight of Almighty God, we are sinners. The Bible tells us, please read it for yourself, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. What do we read there? What does Paul say? For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he goes on to say in another place, more or less saying the same thing but using different words, for there is none righteous, no, not one. And to be righteous is to be able to stand before God. That's what it means to be righteous. And what he says by nature there are none righteous, none of us. Men, women, children, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter our, our education, our upbringing. It doesn't matter how much money we've got or how much money we don't have. These things don't matter. The sentence and the confirmation is universal. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that might not trouble you. You might think that's a very light thing and nothing to be concerned about. But what does Paul say later on in the same book of Romans? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, what does he say? For the wages of sin is death. Now that's a very stark statement, is it not? For the wages of sin is death. And what he is outlining there for us to understand, he is telling us that the just rewards for our sin is death. And he's not just re referring to physical death. He is ultimately referring to eternal death now that's an awesome thing to consider but eternal death is to be separated from the gracious presence of God forever for eternity 
forever and forever. That's what he's referring to. And he says the wages of sin is death. Sin delivers its wages. If you're a person who is working, you look forward to that point in the week or in the month when you receive your wages. Thank you. Okay, well, we'll deal with that. Thank you. No sound. Good on Sahana. Thank you. That's it. So that will be it. Well, we're grateful someone has told us that we had no sound. Sound here, but not sound on the live stream. But that should have uh, cleared it. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing with a local congregation. And we're out seeking to draw to your attention something concerning uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have been dwelling and meditating upon uh, chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And we were talking about the fact that if you're someone who works, or when you did work, you would look forward to that day when you would receive your wages. Many people receive their wages in, in cash. Most people today would receive their wages by uh, bank transfer. Whatever. You look forward to that day when you will receive your wages for working. And it may well be that you're satisfied with your wages. Then again, you might not be satisfied with your wages. But whatever. You get your wages and you look forward to it and no doubt you will spend your wages. Well, sin delivers wages. What are the wages of sin? Well, sin delivers death. And it's eternal death. And as we said earlier, eternal death is to be eternally separated from the gracious presence of God forever and forever. Even today, you might not be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you might call yourself an atheist. And you might live your life without any reference to God at all. You might totally ignore Him. But even you, you receive something from the grace of God every day. Whether you acknowledge it or not. In fact, every moment of every day... All of us receive something from the grace of God. He gives us life. He gives us health. He gives us strength. He gives us the soundness of mind that we have. He gives us clothes. He gives us food. He gives us spouses. He gives us family. He gives us many, many gifts. He lavishes upon mankind every day. And all of us are recipients of the grace of God. Well, eternal death is to be completely and utterly separated from the gracious presence of eternity. 
That's a very awesome thing to contemplate. But that's what sin delivers. That's the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. And friends, we would have nothing to say to you unless if we stop there. But what does Paul go on to say after he said the wages of sin is death, but he goes on to say, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see the great contrast? He's outlining the wages of sin, death, separation from the, pres uh, the gracious presence of God forever and forever. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is what we want to present to you this afternoon. We are sinners, we deserve God's wrath and curse, but He has a gift for us. What is that gift? That gift is His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how is it Jesus can be a gift? Well, He's the one who has come down from heaven. As the Son of God, He is from everlasting to everlasting. Our Savior, the Christian Savior, is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. And He came down to this world and took upon Himself our form and our nature. And He became just like us. Now that was remarkable. What humiliation, what condescension on the part of the Savior, on the part of the Son of God, the one who put the sun and the moon and the stars in their place. This great and glorious person humbled himself and became just like us. And he was born into poverty and he lived in obscurity for about 30 years. And then he began his public ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist. And at his baptism, a voice was heard from heaven. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And this was him beginning his public ministry. And he went about doing good, the Bible says. He went about preaching and teaching. He went, he went about and stopping the ears of the deaf and healing the sick and raising the dead. He did wonderful, extraordinary things because he demonstrated that he was and is the Son of God and the great long-promised Christ and Messiah. But he was hated and despised and rejected. The, the religious people of the day were envy, envious of him. They couldn't stand up to him. They tried to question him. They tried to trip him up with questions, but he was able to answer them at all times. And to the extent they hated him, 
handed him over to Pilate and they demanded that he would be crucified. Well, that's what happened. He was crucified. Now, this was all part of the plan of God. It was through Christ offering up himself as a once for all perfect sacrifice because he stood in our room and in our place. He took the punishment ju justly due, due to mankind. And there on Calvary's tree, God punished our substitute. He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And therefore Jesus Christ was dealt with mankind's greatest problem for sin. And that's why we come out this afternoon that we might, by the grace of God, bring knowledge of this person to you. Because we find in the scriptures that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as Paul says, again quoting from Romans, this time from chapter 10, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Here Paul is asking a number of questions. If you're, if you're supposed to call upon the Lord to be saved, why would you call upon the Lord? Who is the Lord that you would call upon him? And why do you need to call upon him? Well, you need to call upon him because we are sinners. You are a sinner by nature and a sinner by practice. And because of that, by ourselves, by nature, we are offensive to God. And therefore, you are to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who has been condemned in the room and in the place of sinners. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So this is one reason why we come out then, friends, that we might be able, by the grace of God, to introduce you to this person and to introduce you to your need of him. And this is one of the problems that we face today. Many people don't think they need the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't see a need for him. As far as they can make out, their life is okay. They don't believe they're perfect. None of us believe that. But we believe that God will be merciful to us. And God account of our so-called good works and then he will look at our sins and transgress and he will do some kind of balancing act he will look at what we call our good works and hopefully we think 
that they will outweigh our bad deeds and our bad works, our sins and our transgressions. And we think that God will be merciful to us and that he'll accept us on our terms. Friends, that is not the case. You cannot barter with God. God is a holy God. The Bible describes him as one, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God with whom we have to do. A God who is absolutely holy, just, righteous, and pure. And by contrast, we are not. And the only way that we can be reconciled to God is through the way that He Himself has provided. And even if you think about that for a moment, it is quite remarkable. Are we not the ones who have sinned? Are we not the ones who have offended God? But God has provided a way whereby sinful mankind can be reconciled to God. He has provided the way. He took the initiative. He saw us lost and perishing. He saw us without hope in this world. And he did something about it. You know, people talk about God being a God of love, and that's true. But being a God of love, he put his love into action, if you like. He saw us. He saw mankind perishing. And he did not simply fold his arms and do nothing about it. He moved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There, friends, can you not see God's initiative, God's industry, God doing something when he could have written us off, when he could have caused us all to perish? Yet he did something about it. Does this not there, therefore demonstrate the love of God? <clears throat> Does it not provide us with encouragement to come to him? Do we not see how willing he is to deceive sinners to himself? Surely you can see that when he has provided the Savior. But friends, there's a warning here. And as a preacher, we must pass on the warning. God has provided a way, but there's only one way. There is no other way. You cannot be reconciled to God by any other means. You cannot hope to get to heaven by your own efforts or by your own achievements or by your own good works or by your own religion and indeed many people today are seeking to get right with God by following other ways and there are a plethora of religions today even in our own city here but there's only one way to heaven 
as there's only one God. What does the Bible say? There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And therefore, that text and many other texts in the Bible would tell us that God will be reconciled to us but it's only through the way that he has provided and that way is his son the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus himself said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the Father but by me and if you're hoping to be in glory in heaven at the end when your days are over if you're hoping to be found in heaven the only way you can be in heaven is to have a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ and that's the one we commend unto you yes we tell you about our our building we tell you where we're situated we tell you the times of our services but friends, we want to tell you above all about Jesus Christ, about the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, about the Son of God who came down from heaven. He did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He is a Savior, and there's no Savior like Jesus, and He can save all of us, any who will come to Him, if we come on his terms, he will come and he will receive us. And we will know the gift of eternal life. And we will know in our experience the joy of having our sins forgiven. Well, it's been a pleasure this afternoon to come out. We're going to take a short break and another brother will take over. Another brother from an part of the world. He's with us for a or two. He's from a much warmer climate than what we're enjoying today. And he wants to speak to you again about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, may God bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon once again. We bring to you this afternoon the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians, we believe in the gospel of Christ, and we believe in this book, the Bible, which is the very word of God. Everything in this book is true. There are no contradictions in the Bible. There are no errors in the Bible. It is impossible for the Bible to lie because it is impossible for God to lie. Who is the of the scriptures and the Bible brings to us the good news for sinners good news of salvation good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ this is what the, the word gospel means good news and the gospel is not the good news of how you can be healthy or prosperous or how could how your sickness might be removed 
The gospel is the message about a person. The gospel is the good news of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and how we sinners might receive forgiveness of our sins and be reconciled to God through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And so let me read for us from 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 where the Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Well, dear friends, this is the Gospel in summary that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, and that on the third day He rose again from the dead, according to the Scriptures. As we think about these verses, with God's help, I will seek to answer three questions for us today. The first question, who is Jesus Christ? Who is this Christ that we are proclaiming this afternoon to you. Secondly, what has He done? How did He save us? And thirdly, what must you do to be saved? What must you do to appropriate and receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Dear friends, who is Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus is the fear of sinners if I were to ask you if I were to interview you and ask you who do you say the Lord Jesus Christ is you might different answers you might say Jesus Christ was a prophet that Jesus Christ was a great religious leader but dear friends the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is God Jesus Christ is God, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where we must start. He is the only begotten Son of God. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Apostle John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Did you hear that, friends? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Lord Jesus Christ is God, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ could not be a creature. He is not part of the creation, but He is the Creator, the Maker of the heavens and the earth. Verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Well, dear friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. There is only one God, dear friends. Only one God. 
the God of the Bible. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There is only God, the maker of heaven and earth. The Bible says that all the gods of the nations are idols. They are dumb, vain, dead idols. But the Lord, the God of the Bible, made the heavens. And this one true and living God is triune. There's only one God who eternally exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There are three persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Bible tells us. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The same in substance, equal in power and glory. So there's one God in three persons. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of God. And when the Bible calls Jesus the only begotten Son, it does not mean that Christ became the Son of God. It does not mean that there was a time when Christ was not the Son of God. When the Bible says that the Lord Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, it is speaking of His eternal Sonship. That from all eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ is God, the Son. Co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ with the Father and the Spirit made the heavens and the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. John 1 verse 18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. The Lord Jesus Christ has been in the bosom of the Father from all eternity. He is eternal and therefore He is God. Because only God is infinite, eternal and unchangeable. And dear friends, here in verse 18, the Bible says that it's the Son who declares the Father. It's the Son who reveals the Father to us. It's only through the Son of God that we can know God and have communion with Him. There is no other way. So who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, very God of very God. Begotten, not made. Being the same in substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And this glorious Christ, this eternal Christ, became man. Dear friends, this is the good news of the gospel. John 1 verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is full of grace 
and truth because He is the only begotten of the Father. And when the Bible says the Word was made flesh, this is speaking of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God became man. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes, God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, but he, he did not begin to exist when He was born of the Virgin Mary. No, no. He is the eternal Son of God who in the fullness of the time came into the world as a man. The Lord Jesus Christ assumed a true human nature. He became a man for us and for our salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer of God's elect, who being the eternal Son of God, became man, and so was and continueth to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. He is the God-man. Two natures in one person. The Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly then, what has He done? As we bring to you the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ this afternoon, and proclaim to you the perfect Christ, who He is, we also bring to you good news about what He has done. What did Jesus do for us and for our salvation? Well, the Bible says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. This is an amazing, profound statement. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Lord Jesus Christ had no sins. The Lord Jesus Christ was the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. I'm sure you've heard about the cross of Jesus Christ, but do you understand what it means and the significance of the cross? Do you understand and realize that when Jesus went to the cross, when He died on the cross, it was not for His sins, He had none. But the Lord Jesus Christ died as a substitute for sinners, in the place of sinners. He took our punishment on Himself and died to bring us to God. Well, dear friends, you might say to me today, well, I don't think I'm a sinner. Why would I be the Savior? Why would I need a, the cross? Why do I need to pay attention to this message that you're bringing this afternoon? Well, dear friends, you and I have sinned against God. We are sinners, every one of them, born of our parents by ordinary generation. We are sinners. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. 
They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. We are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have broken the law of God, and therefore we are under His wrath. Dear friends, for example, the seventh commandment says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, commit adultery with her already in his heart. You see how holy God is? He demands truth in the inward parts. If you have ever looked with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart because God is holy. The law of God demands perfection. Perfect obedience. The Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Have you ever told a lie, even once? Then you are disqualified from heaven. And you cannot save yourself. Your good works cannot save you. Your merits cannot save you. You need a savior because you, dear friends, are lawbreakers. You are lawbreakers. You need a redeemer to save you from your sins. Do you realize, dear friends, we are part of the ultimate statistic. Ten out of ten people die. Ten out of ten people die. Do you realize why there is death in this world? Because of sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. The soul that sins, it shall die. This is why we die, dear friends, because we have sinned against God and we are under His wrath. This is why we need the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we need the cross? Because we could never pay for our own sins. We need a substitute, someone who would take our place and die in our place for our sins and satisfy divine justice of God. This is what the Lord Jesus did. He died on the cross for our sins. We broke the law. The Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty. The Lord Jesus Christ, as our substitute upon Him, our punishment, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. We need the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way for sinners to be saved. You might say, but doesn't the Bible say that God is love? Why can't He just forgive us and send us all to heaven? 
Well, dear friends, God is love. And God is merciful. But He is also just. God is not corrupt. He's not a corrupt judge who could take bribes. He is just. And God's justice demands that sin committed against His majesty be punished with the supreme punishment, eternal punishment of body and soul in hell. God is not corrupt. He is just. And He will do perfect justice. This is why we need a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He was bruised. He suffered and died in the place of sinners. And this is the only way for sinners like you and me to be forgiven and reconciled to God. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure. For a good man, some would even dare to die. Listen, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news, dear friends? If God were to give you justice, you would be in hell. But He is merciful. And He has provided a way for sinners to be forgiven. For sinners to be reconciled to Him. And that's Jesus Christ, the Savior. Why did Jesus come to the world? Why was Jesus born of the Virgin Mary? Why did He enter our history? Why did He live a perfect life of obedience to the law of God? Why did He go to the cross? You know why, dear friends? To save sinners. To save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Christ died for our sins on the cross according to the scriptures. And then the Apostle Paul says that he was buried. Why was Jesus buried? Why was his body laid in the tomb? Well, his burial proves that he really died. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't faint on the cross, but he really died. And his body was laid in the tomb. But, oh dear friends, listen to what the Bible says next. And on the third day, the thir and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Did you hear that, dear friends? This is what separates Christianity from all world religions. All the religions of the world have dead saviors and dead gurus. 
Muhammad is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. All the thousands of gurus in India have died or will die. But Jesus Christ died and rose again. Jesus Christ died and rose again. As Christians, we don't worship a dead Savior. We don't worship a dead God. We worship the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Dear friends, this is the good news of the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross according to the scriptures. And he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And therefore, He alone can save us from our sins. A dead Savior cannot help, but the risen Savior is mighty to save. Listen to the good news of Christ crucified, dead, buried, and risen from the grave. The Lord Jesus saved the Lord lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and rose again on the third day to bring salvation to sinners, all kinds of sinners. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is or what background you're from. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed. The Lord Jesus Christ died for sinners. And if you would trust in Him. The Lord will save you. And this brings us to our third question then. What must you do to be saved? How do you appropriate and receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well friends, the answer to that question is believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There is the answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Death has lost its sting. Jesus Christ is risen. And He is risen indeed. And therefore, if you trust in Him, if you turn from your wicked ways 
and look to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. This is the free offer of the gospel to anyone who would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear sir, you must repent and look to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, for there is no other way. We're out here this afternoon because we care about you. We don't want you to perish. There is a day of judgment. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. There is no reincarnation. The moment you die, it is too late. There will be judgment and you will stand before the judgment seat of God who will judge perfectly. That's why, dear friends, there is an urgency, an urgency, dear friends, to the call of the gospel. We come here with compassion and love, speaking the truth in love, even saying things that may be uncomfortable to hear. But you must hear those things in order to be saved. There is a hell. Hell is a real place. And only Christ can save us from our sin and misery. Only Christ can save us from our bondage of sin and bring us into joyful and sweet communion with God. God made you for His own glory. He created you that you might know Him and enjoy Him and know Him as your God. Our sins have separated us from God and therefore we cannot know Him savingly by our own efforts. Dear friends, God helps those who cannot help themselves. God is the, he the helpless. The Lord Jesus Christ came for sinners. And unless you see yourself in the mirror of God's law, you will seek to save yourself, which is vain and futile and foolish. You cannot save yourselves. I cannot save myself. We need a Savior. But dear friends, there is a Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Redeemer has come. And He came to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We live in a pluralistic society. You might say, you have your religion, I have my religion. You can believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I believe. But dear friends, again, this is foolish, isn't it? Two plus two is four. Two plus two cannot be eight or ten or twenty. There's only one right answer. Two plus two equals four. That's because truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. Listen to what Jesus Christ said about himself in John 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Lord Jesus Christ is not one Savior. He is the only Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is not one of the ways to heaven. He is the only way of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners, the only Redeemer of God's elect. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Only Christ can bring us to God. Only Christ can save us from our sin and misery because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserve and satisfied divine justice. So God, the judge, the just judge of the universe can forgive us on the basis of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. This is indeed the good news of the gospel. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Dear friends, if you confess the Lord Jesus and if you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Faith is resting in Christ alone for salvation. What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your own good works? Are you trusting in your merits? Or are you trusting in Christ alone for salvation? True faith looks to Christ. True faith casts itself at the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you cast yourself at the mercy of the Savior? Are you looking to Him, relying upon Him, and trusting in Him alone for your salvation? That's the only way to be saved. That is the only way to be forgiven, reconciled to God. The Bible says that in Christ we have redemption blood, the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friends, do not harden your hearts. Do not postpone your repentance. Do not say that tomorrow I will repent. Tomorrow I will make right with God. No, today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, repent. Today, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Repent and believe ye in the Gospel. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, 
buy wine and milk without money and without price. Think about that, friends. How could you buy milk without money, without price? This shows that salvation is a free gift of God. Salvation is not something that you earn by your good works, but it is, it is a free gift that God gives to those who look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation of sinners is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Did you hear that, friends? God will abundantly pardon those who come to the Lord Jesus. There is salvation in none other, for there is none other given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Salvation is a free gift for sinners who repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross sins. He was buried and on the third day He rose again. Let me end. Let me conclude with this invitation. As Christ calls you, one and all, Christ calls you, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord Jesus Christ calls you. Repent and come to Him. Trust in Him. You will save, dear friends. And as you... I, I plead with you. Do not harden your hearts. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Remember, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And so cry out to God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Cry out to God. And that's the prayer that God will answer. He will have mercy upon those who cry out to Him and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Repent today. And look to the Savior, and thou shalt be saved. May God bless His Word. And may you respond with humility and sorrow over your sins, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.
Good afternoon again. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation. We minister in the Partick area. We worship at Two Thornwood Terrace. Go up to Barton Road. You'll come to the police station, opposite the police station. Go up the hill and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and we're next door and we would extend a, a warm and sincere welcome to you to come along. We meet tomorrow, Sunday, first day of the week at 11 a.m. and we all on uh, the Lord's Day at 6 p.m. We have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 and you're welcome to all these public meetings. Please come along. Don't be apprehensive. We'd love to welcome you. And for the few moments this afternoon, we want to draw your attention to uh, the Christian God. We live in days when many people are ignorant of what Christianity is all about. And therefore, we want to take this opportunity that we might be able to plant a gospel seed in your heart might begin to seek the Savior, that you would call upon him, the one who is mighty to save, who can save to the uttermost, and the Savior who indeed will save all who will come to him. <clears throat> Generally speaking, there's one problem that we face in our society today, and basically it's this, that many people... I beg your pardon? Why? why uh, but you won't find Christmas in the Bible, sir. You don't... You don't oh, steady on, man. You don't find Christmas in the Bible. It's a man-made invention. It's a man-made invention. You, you find Jesus Christ in the Bible. You don't find Christmas. We're to, we're to observe the Lord's Day, not Christmas Day. And sadly today that many people replace the Lord's Day with, with Christmas Day. But we do believe in the Incarnation. We do believe in the Son of God who came down from heaven. Who was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Yes, we believe these things. And indeed we preach about these things. And we delight in the Savior, that one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. But friends, before we were... Uh, interrupted there we were trying to tell people about a great problem that we have in our day and generation we have people being thoroughly engrossed in the things of this world they're taken up with tinsel and baubles and they're not giving any care or any thought to eternity and they are pursuing the pleasures of this life the lusts of this life and the possessions of this life and all they seem to live for is this life, as if this life is all that we have. Well, friends, the Bible tells us something different. Yes, we're in this world, we have to live in this world, but we're rapidly, yes, and we should underline that word, we are rapidly heading towards another world. There's a spiritual world, there's an eternal world ahead of every one of us. And we're only here for a short period of time. And whatever happens in this world will come to an end. And whatever possessions we have, whatever money we gather, whatever homes or holidays, 
or things that we enjoy, one day they'll all come to the end. They'll be terminated. You'll be separated from the things that maybe at this moment in time you prize and you gloat over and you fight and you try to achieve all of these things and to amass all of these things. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the things of this world, the things of time, and we think that if we amass ourselves with these things of time, then we'll be happy, then we'll be satisfied. Friends, we have to wake up. We have to take stock of ourselves. We have to realize that we're heading towards eternity. And all the things that are important in this world, the things that man and women uh, possess and prize over this world, will mean nothing. It won't matter how much money you have in the bank when you go into eternity. You could have all the gold in the world. It will be valueless in the world that is to come. That's why the Lord Jesus said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give then in exchange for your soul? Your soul is priceless. Your soul cannot be replaced. You can lose your soul. Only Jesus can save your soul. And that's why he's telling us these things. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? What if you do get everything that the world can give you? Solomon, King Solomon, he was a mighty monarch in his day and generation. He had, we could say, without any fear of contradiction, he had everything that the world could give him at that time. He had power. He had authority. He had wealth. He had wisdom. He had wine, women, and everything that men and women thrive on today. He had it. And friends, he came to that realization later on in his life that all of these things were vain and vanity. And therefore that's why Jesus says to us, For what shall it profit of a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can lose your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is yourself. At the moment, you are body and soul. Your soul is something that's invisible. You cannot put it in a bag. But the soul is contained within your body at the moment. And the day will come, because we're mortal, we'll all pass into eternity. I'm talking about the day of our death. That day will come. And when it comes, what happens? There'll be a great separation. There'll be a separation between your body and your soul. Your body shall go into the grave or it's you want to do with it that's what will happen it'll turn into dust 
but your soul will go to God, the one who gave it to you in the first place, the one who created your soul. It will go to God, and he will judge you on that day. And depending on what you did with Jesus Christ, he will then dispense to you on that day eternal destination. Where will it be? Where will you go? Will it be heaven? Will it be Will it be in paradise, in heaven? Will it be there, the place that God has prepared for his people? Heaven itself? Well, friends, the only way that we can get to heaven is to have someone to take us there. And that one is none other than the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone can save. He alone can take you to heaven. He's the one who has provided the way. He has provided the way by dying in our room and in our place for sinners. But what if you don't go to heaven? Where will you go? Well, the Bible does tell us. It tells us that everybody today, but they will ultimately all go to heaven when that's not the case. The only way that we can go to heaven is to have Christ as our Savior. And if we're not found in heaven, we'll be found in that other terrible place. A place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. It's a place of torment. It's a place... That's what it means to lose our soul. We're lost forever, forever, and ever. There's no respite in heaven, in, in, in hell. No respite. There's no opportunity to get out. It's there forever and forever. It's a very, very sobering thought, friends. We need to take these things on board heaven one will be there forever and forever and so it is if we're found in that dreadful place hell for what shall it profit a man if he run after all the things of this world and lose his soul there'll be no profit nothing but regret your own conscience will be will torment you day and night. Therefore, this is the time, this is the day to seek the Lord. This is the time to call upon Him. This is the time to be found in Christ. This is the time to have your sins forgiven. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We are, we are reminded in God's Word. And friends, we must know and truly believe that He is the one who will receive us. He will not turn us away if we come to Him on His terms. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts He's talking there about repentance. 
about turning away from our sins, and this is part of the gospel call, to repent, to leave our sins and our sinful life behind, and take up the cross and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, unto our God, for he will abundantly There's a gospel promise. There's encouragement even for the chief of sinners to come to him. He will receive us. This is a trustworthy saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief, the Apostle Paul said. And therefore there is hope for all of us as long as we have life, as long as we have breath, then there is an encouragement to come to the Savior to forsake our sins and to call upon Him. The prophet Micah reminds us again in the Old Testament, Who is a God unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and by the transgression 